is the Creative Burn Podcast. All right. Today, we have Jimmy Ether joining us. He is a music producer and songwriter. I'm excited to hear from him and his story and learn from him. So thank you for coming on today, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, you're my first guest to record on this podcast. I've had another one, but yeah, yeah. this one I really love because it's creative people uh, doing their thing. So anyway. I, love, I love podcasts. I'm always happy to to participate. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, so let's get into it. Um, so the first thing, uh, where, what's your background? Like where, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Georgia, a little town called Austell, which is right, right outside of Atlanta. And, um, yeah, yeah. So I've been in Georgia my entire life. Okay. Was your family creative? Not really. I mean, my dad had a, a guitar, so that's kind of what got me into guitar. He had an acoustic laying around, kind of a cheap uh, Yamaha, you know, like 1970s era acoustic and with really, really high action, like that high. Yeah. <laughs> so really hard to play. Um, and that was kind of like my introduction to guitar probably, but I didn't mess around with it much until much, much later. Um, but yeah. All right. Was that the only guitar you had growing up? That one? Yeah, yeah. Until well, until you know, until I was a teenager. Yeah, or a young teenager. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, kind of didn't really get. I mean, I was, you know, I was really into music at a young age, listening to records and stuff like that, and kind of a, kind of a nerd about like um, memorize, almost like baseball card trivia, like memorizing, you know, information about records and artists and stuff like that. I kind of had a knack for that, but. Never really thought about, you know, being a musician or anything myself until, until middle school, really. I, I I got into, like, middle school band and was playing saxophone and stuff like that. And it sort of clicked with me. And So so that – was that the area that really sparked that creative uh, interest in music or was it before yeah. then? No, I don't think I was – I don't think I thought of myself in, as creative in any way, shape, or form before that. And, and honestly, like, you know, I was a pretty depressed kid, uh, and like in a real bad place, you know, in like six, you know, sixth grade, like 12, a lot of times, you know, musicians have a little bit of issue with depression and anxiety and stuff like that. Anyway, I found, but, uh, and music kind of clicks with them. And, and that's what happened with me. I was like, you know, that was the thing that gave me something to focus on and motivation. And, and I just kind of went to town. Um, you know, it was silly, but I mean, like I, I, I picked up saxophone. My band director was like, you don't have the right mouth for saxophone. I don't want you to play this. And I'm like, well, screw you, man. I'm going to like, <laughs> so like spent the entire weekend until my mouth was bleeding playing just to come in because you had to rehearse for the part. Right. So he's, yeah. and I went in and just blew everybody out of the water because I had put the work in. And so yeah, did y'all have a chair system? Yeah, we did. I, yeah. Okay. Cause we had one, I was in band too. Uh, and yep. it was like, you know, it was a big first deal. Chair, first chair, second chair. chair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was first chair out of the gate because of that and kind of mm. shut him down. <laughs> yeah, I, for sure. It, but I loved him. I mean, like he was he was a huge influence on me, got me into jazz. Uh, he was a drummer, got me into interested in drums later on. I played drums and stuff too. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of influence came from that initial contact with a real live, you know, musician who you could walk into the room and hear him practicing drums down the hall and you know, just being in the, a room with somebody like that is, is, um, pretty critical, you know, early yeah. when you're young, you know, 
I mean, it sounds like you had an awesome band teacher. Like, I mean, ours were ours were pretty good too. But I mean, that that dude sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, for a couple of years, and then he he ended up leaving, and we had a really crappy one. So that's well, that ended my band career. <laughs> like oh yeah. By, by eighth grade, I was like, no, I'm done with this. I'm gonna go play in rock bands. I'm gonna learn how to play guitar, and yeah. yeah. Okay. So so who? Well, speaking of that, who did you look up to as far as musicians and in, in in the well, band? Well, like, let's talk about like, did, was there any classical people like in actual band? Uh, well, so we did, you mean like a uh, classical, um, like, like cello and, and that kind of stuff. We didn't have a mixed band like that. We were, we were just straight up brass and, you know, kind of more jazz oriented. If oh, it was okay. about as far as it went, you know, like we okay, had a jazz so, band and, but it was all woodwinds and, and brass. Nice. Uh, okay. We so, have, so was we, there we jazz the musicians? Yeah, yeah, a lot of jazz, a lot of a lot of just straight up, you know, goofy sixth grade band stuff too, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but it got me into jazz, and that was what was critical about all that to me. And um, mm. you know, I learned how to re read music, but you know, to a certain point. But I'm I'm a little dyslexic, so it's hard for me to sight read. So mm -hmm. it never really stuck with me. But um, you know, got the rudiments down. So that okay. was kind of the important part. But yeah, now uh, as far as like stuff I was into at the time, though. Man, I was all over the board. Um, I was kind of a weird kid because I was into, I was really, really heavily into uh, Hall and Oates. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and in a weird way, too. Like uh, every, like all of the early 70s stuff that nobody knows about, and like the stuff that Daryl Hall did with Robert Fripp, uh, solo albums and stuff. So I just started like soaking that stuff up like a sponge. And that's what got me interested in recording, was listening to, getting turned on to Robert Fripp and his productions and like, how in the heck is he making these sounds? And like, how is, how does this work? Just kind of started getting more into that. But I was into like Van Halen and like all this hair metal and thrash metal stuff. And I was into hip hop. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of all over the board, you know, I mean, got into the, the first run DMC record and then public enemy later and beastie boys, of course, and stuff like that. Pretty, you know, pretty mainstream stuff for the time, but, but still for a 12 year old kid, you know, it was, I had a, I had a luck, I was hitting it at a lucky time where we had everything from like cheesy jazz, like Michael Franks and Manhattan transfer kind of stuff mm -hmm. to, you know, hip hop and metal and all this stuff was going on. And I had, I didn't even know about the underground stuff at that point. So. Well, that's pretty diverse for that time period. Really. I feel yeah. like back then you almost had to identify with like one genre yeah, like it's like oh, you were a traitor oh i got clowned <laughs> i got clowned all the time for listening to stuff that that was uncool yeah but i didn't care because i was for me it was an obsession i was just trying to figure out how they were making these sounds so like yeah. when listening to something as cheesy as like you know manhattan transfer i don't know if you're familiar with them but they were this vocal jazz group that was just really as, as corny as you can pop it's almost like uh it's about as corny white bread as you could possibly be in the jazz <laughs> thing. But the vocal stacks are amazing. Like how they got these like, you know, stacks of harmonies and stuff with their vocals was just, you know, kind of shocking. So that was probably like where vocal harmony started coming into play with me. Like, and that and the Beatles and all that kind mm. of stuff too, you know, but, uh, and Beach Boys and all of that. So, you know, just when you're a kid, you don't really care. You just where whatever intrigues you you yeah, pick up yeah. and then you know 
until your friends are clowning you, and then you you, do, you just keep it <laughs> you keep it quiet. You don't you just listen to that stuff at home and don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah, it's your guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, and I hate that term, but uh, um, I mean I know what you mean by it. But um, mm-hmm. to me, if if you like something, you like it. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. But yeah, yeah, no, that's why I was like, you know, guilt, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it's not mean. a big deal. Like yeah, yeah. it is what it is. It's what nobody you like. should no sh- nobody should feel bad about what they like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, is there anything related to music like uh, that you did growing up that you still do today? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't writing songs at that point. I was probably coming up. I was coming up with guitar riffs. And stuff. So that probably is still the same. Uh, you know, like everything kind of starts from a riff for me. So mm-hmm. like early, early on, if I came up with an idea, it was just like some simple guitar progression or something that I came up with an idea for, and it would kind of stop there. And I had a four-track cassette deck and all that stuff, and I'd play around recording and come up with ideas. But um, that was always the basis is coming up with a guitar lick that I liked or a guitar riff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much still the same. That's typically what I do. I come up with the music first and then write everything else afterwards. Like our, is, as part of the progress. So is that something you're doing today? Like, like mm-hmm. if, if we were to document your day, you, that's like something that you're doing today, like a normal day. <sighs> I wish that were true. Um, uh, I could sit down and write two songs a day easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got, four or five companies that I'm keeping spinning. So usually I got fires to put out or something that's distracting me. And I kind of really have to like, that's part of like getting on TikTok recently has really helped me to focus more on like, okay, I need to sit down and write a song just to, you know, for the practice of doing it again. Cause usually I'm writing with my band these days. I, or I have a couple of different bands that I'm in and we typically write together. I'll, we'll bring in little ideas and write together. So for me to sit down and write a song like I've, I used to all the time is I just got to make time for it and force myself to do it. Yeah. I heard about your bands, uh, through TikTok on that, yeah. uh, on that live that I saw. You. Oh, that's <laughs> so, right. That's right. That's yeah. right. You're, you're on that. I did yeah. check them out. I went on Bandcamp and, uh, they're a little weird. Uh, found them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds good. It's just, I, I, well, we'll get to that later. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so as far as like, um, I, I know you're busy, but uh, you got to hone your craft and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems important to you. So how many, like, how many different bands are you watching or listening to in like in a week or whatever? Or um, how, how does that work? I'm constantly listening to music if I can. Um, it's a little hard when you're like mixing and stuff like that. You can't really listen to other artists while you're you know, doing video work or audio work, it, that, that's a little difficult. But when I'm not, if, anytime I'm not um, doing that, I have my earbuds in and I'm checking out new artists. And that's kind of the thing is that I'm always like, you know, there are times when you listen to your favorite songs and you, you know, you just like spend your playlist of your, your, you know, old gold stuff that you've always loved. But for me, I'm always looking for the newest whatever the new thing is that I'm missing out on or, or old thing that I'm missing out on. If like, there's a, if there's a hole in my vocabulary from any other genre, um, whether, whatever it might be, I've got a lot of friends that turn me on to stuff. I've got friends that are like, like super, super into underground metal that stuff that I normally wouldn't listen to or, or I'm super into hip hop. 
like underground hip hop stuff. Um, even though I don't make and play it a lot, you know, it, it, it's, it's hugely influential to me. So I'm always looking for stuff. Um, and it's always out there, you know, it, it's, that's one of the coolest things about today is that it's so easy to find, um, good music to stream it and, Bandcamp and all this other kind of stuff is always something. Oh, well, speaking of streaming, do you? So I do this, but I don't. I don't I'm sure that every, a lot of other people do this. Do you ever go down rabbit holes? Like I'll just. It's all I do. I'll just pick <laughs> like a band, and then like I'll find like who is similar to them, and then who is similar to them. Yep. And yeah, it just all, keeps going all the time. Not only that, like getting into the history of the band. So like you'll find a band you like, and you'll realize, well, they were in two bands before this. Let's go listen to those. And, you know, and this, the drummer was in this other band over here. Let's go listen to that. So absolutely. That's, uh, those connections are, are extremely important to me. And, and I should mention too, that we have like one of those companies I was mentioning is a local, uh, print music magazine that we started up last year. So we're, okay. so it's called record plug. And, and that's, you know, a lot of the music listening I'm doing lately has been a lot of local artists because we're you know, writing articles and, and doing all kinds of stuff with the, the late, I mean, with the magazine. So including doing our own recording, like recording seven inches of the bands that we're featuring in those and, and putting those out. So we're rolling those out this year. So that's, you know, that's been a lot of the, um, it's kind of been kind of interesting to like really focus on Atlanta and Athens, uh, community and see what's going on in there because, you know, it's something that I was always, involved in but i wasn't like actively searching for what's happening and going to shows as much as i probably should have been yeah uh well you know how, how so i mean as far as concerts i mean is that something nowadays you're you're all over the place on that or or because your business is keep I, kind of busy i don't go out as much as like my uh my drummer and victory hands is my partner and record plug so he's and he's mm. actually the one that does most of the print work and all of that stuff he well he does all the print work but most of the editorial work on that and he's going out all the time and turning me on to stuff but um mm. so you know i'll go out a couple of times a month at the most usually okay go see go see something unless it's somebody national coming in that i want to see but um so i don't get out as much as i should but well, I mean, but you practice with your band and and yeah. uh, alone and everything. Like, how how often and important is that for you, especially as a busy as a busy person, man? Well, I mean, the, I'm, I have to make time for that. I'll go crazy without that. So, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of days a week, we're we're practicing at least, uh, and it's usually like three or four hours, you know, straight practice. I haven't. I've really never since, since when I was like from twelve to eighteen, probably I practiced every day. And then once I started getting into bands around 18, I don't think I, if I, if I were sitting down alone, it's, I'm writing something and okay. I, I just, I'm not working on, I'm not really practicing or unless I'm like just going over parts for a set that's coming up, you know, like we're playing out live, I'll go, I'll go over parts and stuff. Um, especially if it's songs, we haven't played a bunch, but, um, recently I've just started trying to get back into practicing more again, just and practicing stuff that I normally wouldn't play. Like, um, different picking techniques and, you know, and mm -hmm. stuff like that and, and jazz rudiments and things that just to see where it goes. Cause, um, you know, that's seems fun, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's never, it's never been, I'm, I'm terrible about practice. I, you know, I've always just done it with the band. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
uh, speaking of practicing and stuff like that, if there's one thing you could point to that you would never skip that's honing your craft, like what would that be? Listening to records. Okay. Listening to as much stuff as you, because that's more important than any rudiments or any like, you know, musical, uh, like uh, uh, technical ability you might have in playing whatever you might play. That'll come. If you have a lot of uh, a really broad and deep, you know, knowledge of, of the history of music and different sounds and all, when you're writing, you just got a bigger palette to pull from. And, and like one of my favorite bands is a band called The Grifters. I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's this 90s mm-hmm. kind of indie rock thing. Um, this sounds familiar, but yeah, they, they weren't, they never got like really, really big. But if you were into like indie rock at the time, you probably would have known about them in the nineties, but, um, their name came from the concept of songwriters grift. They pull, they pull from all of these different elements and put together in, in new ways to create a song. So that's, to me, that's what I'm always doing. I'm, I'm hearing something in my head that's a response to something else and it's because i can pull from jazz and hip-hop and rock and metal and whatever it might be and 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 put that influence into what i'm doing and make it my own and if you do that with enough complexity nobody knows where it came from like there's Mm. no it's hard to pinpoint i can pinpoint often yeah this is what i'm 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 ripping this off here i'm ripping this off here i'm ripping this off here but by the time we get time they we get done with it nobody could pinpoint that and they're even like they think i'm crazy for even saying it half the time like that didn't sound like that to me I don't... <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it's pretty interesting too how you can like take from all those different places <clears throat> and you can put that into any genre really yeah. like and yeah. make you know like it and create something like yeah. that that's just amazing yeah to me. it's uh, one of the things i uh one of the things i hate about genres and music especially when people um like really identify with the genre as an artist is that get too honed into a very specific thing, like, like pop, pop punk or anything like that. if you go into like the pop punk punk genre, no offense to it, but I mean, people who are really, really focused on that, they kind of all sound similar. Right. And it's yeah. kind of the same with pop and things too. But whereas, you know, if you, if you take a broader, you know, uh, look at it, you can, you can go anywhere you want. And that's one of the things I love about one of the things that attracts me to hip hop, especially underground hip hop is that they'll sample from anywhere. They can sample mm. classical, they can sample jazz, they can sample Brazilian, they can sample, you know, uh, another pop tune or an indie song. Like they'll, they'll take all that and they'll mash it together to create something new. And, you know, while the genre itself from a rap standpoint, and certainly from a mainstream standpoint, may be kind of sound the same. If you're looking in the underground, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And it seems almost psychedelic, almost similar to the psychedelic era of rock, where they're really exploring sonically where, where things can go. And I don't think a lot of indie bands are, you know, a lot of rock kind of isn't exploring that. Maybe Radiohead and a few things like that over the years, but there's not as much explore, exploration sonically in the, in the kind of rock uh, genre, in my well, opinion. So, I mean, I think it's like, like you said, I, I enjoy a lot of different, a broad uh, horizon of music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love it. <clears throat> um, but at the same time though, like if, if you're going to listen to records and stuff, I get it. Like, you know, like listen uh, to a whole bunch of different ones, different genres and stuff like that. But like, 
do you think that there's value to someone like saying, you know, like, let's say they are, they're metal Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know what? I am metal all the way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hone in and hone in. And then, but because here's why I say that is like, yeah, it, it may for that particular band, um, make it to where they're, I don't want to say pigeonholed, but they're, they're one thing, right? But those people who are broadening the horizons, you know what I mean? Like they can take from that very, I mean, that's a pretty um, expert, you know, like. Well, sure, sure. So like, yeah, I mean, well, and when you say metal, there's which, it's like which kind, there's like a hundred different kinds. So, I mean, they get really, really, really specific and, and it's, you know, there's such a strong fan base based around those genres. It makes sense. You know, I mean, you're going into something and, and it's relatable to somebody who's into that genre. But you'll see like a lot of those metal bands will expand out from that. They'll start, they'll start kind of like with this very, very direct focus. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, I think Mastodon is a good, good example if you're familiar mm-hmm. with Mastodon. I know those guys because um, they're Atlanta-based and, and um, <laughs> are actually our landlords at the practice space we have. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but uh, and so they have a little studio downstairs next to ours. But um, the, um, you know, they started out, very, very straightforward in what they're doing. And they've gotten more and more progressive as they've gone along. And a lot of bands will do that. I mean, like Tool and all those kind of bands, they got more and more progressive as they went and kind of started experimenting. You can see that as a good or a bad thing if you're, you know, mm. a fan. Uh, but it almost always happens that, you know, the bands sort of branch out from there at some point, you know. Like we started, like a lot of the bands I was in early on was was kind of the, I guess, third, third, uh, installment of of uh hardcore punk you know sort of mm-hmm. like the third generation of that you know early early 90s late 80s kind of uh and atlanta was always a little bit behind everybody else so we were kind of doing what california had been doing five years ago mm. but um you know we started out sounding very very just like straightforward two three chords screaming you know whatever it was and then, you know, started branching out from there and lost that crowd because of it, you know, so, yeah. but we got a new crowd. So, yeah. It reminds me of uh, an interview that I saw with uh, Metallica where they were like, when they made that big change, I want to say it was in the 90s or 2000s, the early 2000s, you know, and like they, Bob uh, Ro- they were like. With Bob Rock or whoever, with the Black Album and all that, where it kind of went uh, yeah, yeah, more straightforward, yeah. ACDC-ish, yeah. And they were like, you know, you're not Metallica anymore. They're like, man, we were, we are Metallica. Like, mm-hmm. we yeah. just are doing something different, man. Yeah, so. yeah. And and that's the thing is, you don't have to go along for the ride. You know, mm. somebody else will. And so, yeah. like, you don't have to keep your fans. Like, I don't. I just never think of that. Probably because we don't have enough fans to really worry about. <laughs> but like, uh, I, I don't think I would ever think. Of, no matter how many, like, I, I worried way too much about that many, many years ago to the point of like, if we did something that was a slight departure or that people said, I don't like it as much as the last record, I would shelve it, you know, mm. and that was stupid. <laughs> so like, those are mistakes yeah. I would never make again. Cause I've got, you know, I've got a, uh, uh, I had a series of albums that with one of my, uh, bands that, uh, was like a four album concept record. And basically we put the second one out and people went, eh, I don't like it as much as the, the first one and we went well damn and then didn't really push it right had the third one in the and had a lot of the third one recorded too and uh didn't really push it any further and everything kind of fell apart and 
looking back on that now, if I talk to those same people that said they didn't like it, they like the second one better now. Oh, man. So it's like you can't listen, like whatever, anyone's opinion on anything about music is a snapshot in time and it's more about them than music. Mm. And that's, that's true. Like that's the one thing I would say to any artist, especially a young artist who has, has been, hasn't been doing this long. If you're submitting stuff to blogs and reviewers and playlist people and all that stuff and you're, you're hurt by the response, you have to just like, you don't even have to get a thick skin about it. You just have to realize it's meaningless. It's all mm. completely meaningless because it's, it's really all about, you know, like when you read a review in Pitchfork, the review, we have a joke with the magazine that we do. We don't do reviews, except we do one review that's a satire review every issue. Mm. And it's making fun of Pitchfork and people like, uh, like reviewers like that. Whereas if you read those reviews, 90% of the review is talking about them, the writer. It's not mm. really telling you anything about the band or the music. It's telling you their perspective on how it, how it makes them feel or how they hate it or whatever. And that's kind of meaningless. It's maybe interesting to read. It might be funny sometimes, especially when somebody's being mean, but it's not productive. And it's not yeah. something an artist should look at and go, well, I need to change what I'm doing. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. if you really, really respect somebody and you get feedback from them, that can be good because it's good for a third per uh, an outside person to, to give you some perspective on what you do. But it only goes so far. And, and uh, you know, I think, yeah, as an artist, you have to be careful about taking that stuff seriously. Yeah. Well, um, what are you what are you hoping to do in music in the near future? You got some companies. I mean, you got a band and stuff. What, what's your, yeah. What's so, well, with victory hands, um, which is the, uh, sort of, um, I don't know if you, did we talk about that where you, it, it's based off of uh Nixon transcripts you, and all you that? You said that. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. so, so that's a very, very, I mean, all my projects seem to be very, very specific and kind of honed in on something like that. I have a framework to them, but, um, Victory Hands is the most <laughs> specific to that. So we are literally taking lyrics from uh, Nixon uh, transcripts from the White House and speeches and stuff like that and turning them into, basically turning them into the lyrics for the songs that we write, which mm. sounds sounds like a joke or it sounds like, you know, novelty, but it actually ends up being pretty demented um, because you have all of this um, just weird speech patterns of them at the time and this like sports analogies and all of this stuff that we're pulling out. So it sounds very dark with the dark music, you know, mm, um, which yeah. is, a, it's kind of a noise rock band anyway. So, um, so it makes for some really interesting, like, you know, stuff. So we've got several releases bring I bring that up because we have a uh, seven inch coming out next month with two songs on it. Uh, we have another seven inch already recorded that we're just going to, we're waiting on pressing for the vinyl for, and then we have another 12 inch that's already done that we, well, it's, we need to do some tweaks to it, but that one's already done. And then we're working on a double album for that band too. So, so we have a lot of material like kind of backed up for that band, probably that will last us for the next two years or more. Mm. And then my other project, Loud Humans, uh, we have an EP that we just finished up and that should be out in two months. And uh, that we're just gonna, we're not doing vinyl on that, we're just doing cassette and digital on that just because the vinyl is taking so long right now to 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 deal with um that whole process could talk do a whole nother pro podcast about pressing vinyl mm. but um <laughs> but uh so that's going to come out soon and then we have another ep behind that and then i'm going back through a lot of older projects and finishing up stuff and 
and kind of have a solo thing that I would like to start doing too and, and get it out before the end of the year that's um, called the Aloha State, which is kind of a band moniker that I was going to do that under. And that would be a little more like hip hop production, uh, but more R&B kind of sounding. So it's a very, very different from the other bands and not something yeah. I would do with those members that, you know, they just, it, they it's not something they would want to do. So, yeah. um, so that's, that's kind of what musically I, I, I have uh, planned. And other than that, just focusing on um, trying to get stuff out with a label and, and, uh, and, push uh, the record plug magazine that we're working on. Yeah. Well, it sounds like just like your childhood, just now you're actually doing it in real life. Huh? Trying to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's the thing is if you can, you know, I, I don't I, certainly from my childhood, I would never have thought I would be doing any of the stuff that I'm doing. It, that seems like it would have seemed like a dream. I would have told you you're crazy, but now, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like living the dream. It's a lot of work. It's, you know, very frustrating a lot of the time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fulfilling, but you know, it's not always like fun, you know, when you're having to deal with the business side of things and music, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I can't stop. So. Hmm. So who, like, ideally, if you could work with anyone, who would you want to work with? I don't know. You know, like, um, I don't, I don't really have designs on working with anybody specifically. I used to think it would be cool to work with, um, you know, someone like Daryl Hall or like, it seems kind of like oh, yeah. <laughs> washed up-ish, not, not washed up at all, but I mean, like <laughs> what they're doing now is nothing like their cooler stuff they did early in their, in their, uh, you know, in their career. Um, uh, and they're sort of like becoming a middle of the road um, act where they're just doing their hits and sprinkling in a few like new acoustic songs or something like that taking them mm -hmm. back to more experimental times like the Robert Fripp stuff. But the reality is you can't go back. I mean, I don't think that would ever work. So uh, rarely does it happen. Sometimes you'll see somebody like um, that Paul McCartney record that, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Nigel Godson did with uh, Paul McCartney, um, mm. Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. That was pretty interesting because you had the guy who produces Radiohead doing Paul McCartney and kind of like directing Paul McCartney against his will <laughs> to some extent, oh, okay. I think. And it, that's a really interesting album as a result, but those, those things are rare. You'll get like, um, you know, somebody, so, so working with somebody like that, I used to think was cool, but I don't think it's really practical. Um, so really just like, you know, working on our own stuff. And then occasionally um, I'll, I got, I have friends bands. Uh, there's bands called the, the band called the Sugs that I'm putting another release out with. And, um, and there's a few other things that we have in the can that hopefully will come out here pretty soon. Um, but the seven inches that we're doing record plug, those are fun because I get to work with local musicians and just do one song at a time. And, you know, I don't have to worry about doing a whole EP or an album with them. They come in, it's a one day shot. You know, we do it all in one day. Those are really cool because I get to meet a lot of people and work with all kinds of different genres and, so hopefully that'll be a continuous thing that we do, rolling those seven inches out for the uh, magazine. Okay, so <clears throat> one more question. Um, mm -hmm. So let's say there probably is, if if there's somebody out there that's younger um, or, you know, young adult, maybe kid, mm -hmm. um, 
and they're wanting to pursue this same kind of journey. They want to be in the music business. They want to like be creative and, and actually do that. You know, what, what kind of advice would you give them like to, to actually make it a thing that they're doing full time? Well, I mean, the, the thing is that to never, uh, never ask for permission, never wait for someone to, to discover you or anything like that. You just got to work. You just have to <clears throat> figure it out. You can do it all yourself. If you have friends that can do things better than you and they're willing, by all means, you know, collaborate as much as you can. Um, put stuff out. Don't feel like it's not good enough or not to up to some, you know, level uh, that it, that you in your head think it should be. Just document what you're doing, where you are at that point. Get it out and move on and prove um, you know, don't be embarrassed by it and just do it. If you do that consistently, you'll get better and better. You'll learn more things. You'll meet more people. And that's what it's all about. Like ultimately not in a popularity sense, but ultimately it's all about who, you know, um, those connections that you build by collaborating with people and going to shows and playing shows with people. And those are important. And they end up coming back in weird ways, like years later that you don't anticipate. Um, so the more of those kind of connections you're making and the more material you're putting out there, the better. And, you know, don't wait around for somebody to tell you it's good. Just put it out. Okay. Well, well, I've taken up enough of your time, man. I, oh, I, I really it, thank man. you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. And, and thank you to all the listeners um, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And then, uh, please go check out uh, Jimmy on TikTok. That's where I found Jimmy on TikTok. Um, he's doing a great job on TikTok, just telling a story and Thank being you. like, you give a lot of value in your TikToks, man. Like, I'm trying to, man. Thank you. Like, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that means a it's lot. It's very I mean, authentic. Like, I mean, I, I like, and I, I mean, I mean, it's, there's a lot of stuff on there that you can see through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, and I'm trying very hard not to be too preachy, which, <laughs> which I like, like, this is just my opinion. I'm trying to make that very, very clear. And it doesn't seem to come across all the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, but uh, yeah, no, I, TikTok. I'll tell you the community on TikTok. Any, that's the other thing. Anybody that's a musician, if you're comfortable being on video or can get comfortable being on video, that's the mm. place to be right now. Cause, um, I mean, YouTube's cool if you're doing long form stuff, but I, like Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff is kind of worthless to me at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, we're still there and we're still posting stuff with all the bands and labels and all that kind of stuff. But it's sort of like for the people who are just like, have been around forever, that's there. And if, as far as discovering and connecting with new people, this has been incredible. And mm. I, you know, I, like everybody else thought of it as the silly dance app. For, yeah. I mean, I've been on it for, I've had an account for since uh, 2019 or whatever, but never used it. Never thought, mm -hmm. never took it seriously. Anytime I went on, I couldn't find anybody like me on there. And now I go yeah. on and it's like, geez, there's billions of us. How is this possible? Yeah. So it's weird. Yeah. I, when I started, I was like, dude, no, you can actually learn stuff on TikTok. They'd be like, no, that's just the teenage girl dance app. <laughs> no, like, no. I've, I'm constantly like, in a, like any subject, there's science yeah. talk and there's like, like I'm learning about uh, astronomy and all this kind of <laughs> stuff that like uh, the, uh, and you're connecting with people that you wouldn't think you would be possible. Like, 
there was there's uh, uh, this woman that uh, works at the uh, Hadron Collider and stuff will go on and do lives and you can chat with her. like it's crazy. Mm. Susanna Hoffs is on and she was doing a, a, some stuff the other day and commenting back yeah. like like how is this possible? It won't last. I mean, clearly these people are going to get so popular yeah. that they're untouchable at some point. But but there's so many genuine people that have a lot of experience and I don't know the format's just great for it. It's, it's exciting it, though because yeah. it you have so much access to all these different people and yeah. you're exposed to all these different like it's just a new age i just think yeah right? it is and it, and it's kind of amazing like i i saw peter frampton was on the other day like he started a tiktok account and he was just talk, <laughs> talking to people and you think these people are completely unaccess unaccessible but people were asking him like about his guitar that you know it got lost and he ended up um somebody returned it to him and all that they talking about that kind of stuff and and like you know he's just you know just a regular dude and <laughs> Like anybody else, you know, these people and a lot of times, you know, are are lonely and stuff too. You know, they like to reach out and connect with people. Mm. So it's kind of, it, it's a, um, I don't know, it's a, like a level playing field almost right now. I don't know if it'll continue to be like that, but um, I'm I'm very, very intrigued by it. It's really cool. I went off on a tangent there, but uh, yeah, yeah no, check out know. Jimmy on TikTok. Um and then uh, he has his band, Victory Hands. Uh, I've followed them on Bandcamp. Um, now, uh, the other band, um, Loud... Loud Humans, yeah. Loud and Humans. I don't think we have... We haven't put our Bandcamp up yet because we have the, the EP's not out yet, but that'll be that'll be up pretty soon. But basically, if you follow me on TikTok, you'll find out about all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining, and uh, we'll see you next time.